Good evening, everyone. Today we have Victor, who I'm going to let introduce himself. Okay, thank you very, very much, Petra. Hello, everyone. My name is Victor Muta. I am professionally known as a copywriter. I will go into that. That's what the entire session is about. So don't worry if you don't know what that means, but you get into the details for that later. Um, I have a bunch of things I like to do in my spare time, which I have a lot of these days, but uh, I do a lot of fitness stuff. I'm currently kind of chasing a goal to ride about 30 kilometers in an hour. Well, for those of you who don't know how far 30 kilometers is, like for distance from Mwenge until the airport, about three times that, and I'm trying to do that in one hour. So that's a journey that I'm on right now. Uh, aside from that, I also do spend a lot of my time reading. I am a voracious reader. I do read like three or four books at a time and abandon three or four books at a time. I have a book club that I spend some time with, with a bunch of people just kind of like helping to motivate each other and grow for like self-development purposes. And on weekends, I do have a hobby of trying out new restaurants. And that's just like uh, who Victor is as a person in a nutshell. And in terms of like the stuff you guys really want to hear, which is the copywriting, working remotely and all that kind of stuff, we'll dive into the rest later. Okay. Um, so uh, before I kind of like dive into the nitty gritty, I always like to give people an idea of like what's coming up front. Like what's the benefit? Why should I even bother listening to the one hour or one hour and a half or however, however long this will be? I don't know. But why should I spend my time listening to this? And to give you an answer to that, I just want to paint a quick a quick before and after picture of my life before and after learning the things that I'm going to share over this call. So before, uh, in my previous job, which was around in 2018 to 2020, I had to wake up at 6 a.m. Monday to Friday with an alarm. I had to uh, have a commute to work or to the office. When I get to the office, there's often lots of meetings. Many of them were two to three hours long, and those are like super annoying and draining. I had a fixed schedule, like most people um, working in an office, where I had to report in at 8 a.m., and I had to stay after until like 5.30 p.m. Actually, for my role, I had to stay after everyone <laughs> had left, so I was frequently like the only one um, on my way out. I also had to work weekends. And those weekends, I used to spend about three to five hours working. So over the course of a week, I'd work anywhere from 50 to 55, sometimes even 60 hours a week. And for all of that effort and inconvenience and planning my entire life around work and having nothing outside of work, what was I paid? Um, approximately about 700 USD per month. Now, that's before copywriting. And now let me talk about after. Now, I do not have an alarm. I let myself wake up in the morning whenever my body feels, okay, Victor's had enough sleep, let him wake up. So that's usually around 8, 10 a.m. I have no commute. Where we're going to go. I just wake up, walk to my desk, connect to Wi-Fi, and open a browser, and there, I'm at work. Um, I have no meetings. I know there's someone who asks questions about meetings, but I have no meetings. I spend less than like one hour in a month on meetings, and most of those are just like kind of like check-ins with a couple of clients. I set my own schedule, and my own schedule right now, that's working from like 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. or so. So 
Uh, I work in the afternoon. I don't want to work early in the morning. I just want to use mornings to relax and I use my evenings to relax. I work in the afternoon for about four to five hours. I never work on weekends. This is a law and I will actually refuse to work with someone if they require me to work on weekends. I don't work, work on weekends. And in total, I average about 20 to 30 hours of actual work done in a given week. Now, compared to my life before, you can see that I am operating and living life on my own terms. And my take-home pay, uh, compared to before, I've made about three to five times my previous monthly salary um, over the course of this year. And it's all from learning how to work online and in copywriting. Now, I'm going to break this down over the rest of uh, <laughs> the session. So, sorry to cut you off, but just we we as rich aunties, we like figures. So you said three to five. We want to know yeah. why we should really invest in, in, in listening. What three to five figures? So that's 700 times three times five. We want real figures and then translate it to Tanzanian. Okay, um, so three to five, if I give, okay, 700 times three is 2,100. Okay, 700 times five is 3,500. So 2,100, let me just pop that into Google one sec to show you what that is in, is about 5.2 million shillings. And then 3,500 is about 8.7 million shillings. So we're looking anywhere from 5.2 to 8.7 on a monthly basis for the last year or so. With the dollar going higher, I just get happy because that's a raise that I didn't have to work extra for, which is also another benefit of like working internationally. But yeah, so now um, start from the beginning, like how did uh i get into working online what pushed me towards like discovering this and figuring this out and it's kind of like something that is a an important tip for anyone who wants to try to do the same i got into copywriting because i had the benefit of the most powerful emotion in the world which is anger okay um what happened is in around 2020 uh all of you remember that there was uh, around, I think it was like 14th or April or something, where the first kind of like COVID case was announced here in Tanzania. I forget that person's name, but yes. And about three weeks after that, a very, very suspiciously, suspiciously short time after that, um, my previous employer called all employees into the same location. We were spread across like three locations, had 100 staff members. We were all summoned to the same location and told that there were going to be a few changes to accommodate the current like COVID uncertainty environment. The one that affected me was that they're going to do salary cuts across the organization. And the higher up on the pay scale you are, the high, the more um, money you'd be cut. And where I was on the pay scale, that resulted in a quarter of my salary getting cut. Now, working here, and my boss was someone from outside the country. Um, he was someone from Europe. And I'm like, okay, why not cut out the middleman and work directly for people in Europe, in US, in UK, and other countries out there? Um, because even if like COVID cuts are happening, um, the exchange rate and working for foreign businesses has much more economic potential than just working 
where I was here in Tanzania. Now, American employers, we're going to use America throughout a lot of this. American employer American wages, okay? And the median wage in the U.S., for those of you who want specific numbers, is about $4,500 a month, right? Um, Tanzanian employers pay Tanzanian wages. The statistics on this are kind of like messy because we have such an, a huge informal economy, but I did find a figure from the Employment and Earnings Survey 2017, a government publication, that shows roughly 60% of formal sector employees make under 500,000 shillings per month. So let's treat that as like the median wage here in Tanzania, right? So American median wage, 4,500, Tanzanian median wage around 500,000 shillings. Now, in most lines of work, capitalism forces or basically pushes employers to pay just enough to keep you, but not enough for you to actually get wealthy, okay? Just enough to keep you because replacing workers can be expensive. You have to spend time training people and so on. So they can't pay you too little. They have to pay you just enough to keep you, but not enough to the point that you can actually get rich and wealthy easily off that money because that's what the owner themselves are trying to do. So why would they pass that extra profit to? They keep that money to themselves, okay? But now like COVID work from home 2020 changed the world in such a way that there is a kind of like backdoor hidden secret or kind of way of hacking the system, okay? Because in foreign countries, they didn't need to, it kind of like made people realize that, hey, if we're not working in the same same building, if we're working off Zoom, if we're working off um, Asana, if we're working off all these internet online tat, Slack, Microsoft Teams and all this stuff, it doesn't really matter if you're across the street from me or if you're across the world from me. Okay, so not needing to be in the same building, thanks to work from home, made people in developed economies more open to hiring people from developing countries, giving them an opportunity to save money and for people in developing economies to make more. It's a game of geography. So what this means now in like actual numbers is that an American company hiring an American employee would have to pay them 4,500 a month. We established that's the average across the US, right? But now they can hire someone from a developing country, for example, Tanzania, um, and pay that person $2,000 a month, okay? And they would save nearly 60% or so on employee, on salary costs. I mean, there's more because the benefits and so on, so they actually save up, up to like 80% or something. But just for simple math, 60%. Now, if they hire someone from Tanzania, aka Victor, aka someone here listening to this, um, once they eventually go down that road, uh, that person can go from the average national wage of 500,000 shillings per month, which is about $200 or so at the time of like this conversation, to making $2,000 a month, which is about like 5 million or so. And that multiplies their income from 200 to 2,000 is a 10 times jump in income. Okay. And when this happens, both sides of the transaction are winning. Essentially, the American company gets to save a ton of money on employment costs by hiring people in outside of the USA. And someone in developing countries, aka Tanzania, winds up making anywhere from seven, eight, nine, 10, 12, 15, a whole bunch, a huge multiple more of the money because they're getting paid in US dollars, right? And this kind of like leads to, I like this phrase to sum up 
the, the, the dynamic. And I say that it's easier to convince an American person to pay you $1,000 than it is to convince a Tanzanian person to pay you a million shillings. Okay. So, so Victor, just just um, we've heard the now kind of like the logistics around it, the reasoning behind it. Mm -hmm. But now, just the practicality: what skills do do people do they look for? What skills um, <clears throat> do the companies in America look for when they're trying to hire people um, ah. to do work online? Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, this is not something that works for every single skill on this, under the sun. There's still some things that you have to kind of like be, you have to hire locally, whether locally it's in the US or locally in Tanzania. But some skills are like internet friendly in the sense that um, they're usually the kind of things that require creativity or require knowledge about software that most people can't use. A few examples of those is like copywriting, which I'll go into more about that, like over the rest of the session. We have programming. So if anyone here involved in software coding development, web development as well, that's something that is also pretty lucrative and people are hiring for. There's skills such as like video editing. Video editing, you can learn how to use these video editing tools. And a lot of them sometimes make it like easy. You can spend like two weeks learning how to use those and practicing for yourself and then eventually get hired by YouTubers, by TikTokers, by streaming influencers to do video editing tasks for that for them. There's like graphic design and web design, although these kind of can be a little bit extra competitive. Um, but yeah, you can work with essentially any online businesses. I did find someone I believe is from Tanzania who is, he only makes um, cover art for music artists in the US. So any underground rappers and musicians who need like covers for like uh, album covers for the albums or like photo covers for their singles or whatever, he makes them. I tried to reach out to them. He couldn't, he didn't respond to me, but anyway, I know that someone here is doing that. And then you can also kind of do project management that's also something that i've heard so if you're very good at project management i don't know six sigma and lean agile methodologies you know the stuff more than i do if you're in that field and you're good with tools such as like asana ClickUp, and trello um if you can learn how to manage people in an online context there's like hundreds of companies that are still kind of like figuring out that transition to working remotely and working off um, by the internet that are willing to also like hire you so those are the skills that I've seen that work from this before, but you can also expand beyond that in the sense that I've heard of people, um, not necessarily from Tanzania, but I've heard of people uh, doing accounting. I've heard of people doing like legal work. I've heard people doing um, consulting in certain types of uh, fields. I've heard of, so it's pretty broad, but those are the Copywriting, software programming, video editing, graphic and web design, and project management are the ones that I, in my opinion, feel the most accessible to most people. So it seems that it includes a wide variety of, of jobs and a wide variety of skills. Um, mm -hmm. Can we explain exactly what copywriting is, you know, for, for a layman? What, what is copywriting? Um, is it a professional job? Can, can I do it? Are there uh, local copywriter jobs? Okay. Um, in super simple terms, 
copywriting is writing to sell. Okay, think of it this way. Like you've had like salespeople who their job is to go out and convince people to buy products. Um, not all sales happen in person. A lot of sales happen through mediums that involve reading. And so if it involves reading things, you will need someone to write those things to sell them. And the person whose job it is to write things that sell is called a copywriter. Is it a professional job or can anyone do it? I wouldn't classify it as a profession. I classify it as a skill. In essence, that there are no quote unquote hard requirements. Like, for example, um, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, you have to be like board certified. And there's kind of like bodies for certificate, like official board certification you need to re be registered at and so on. But copywriting is mostly a skill in essence that if you can just spend your time learning and getting good at it, um, if you have like the, the, the main barrier is just in, in my case is English in case people like from here would be English proficiency. Okay, because from countries where people are native English speakers, there are people who are like dropouts from high school, from college, and just because they know how to um, speak the language, they can learn the skill and eventually become very, very well-paid people uh, if you have like the track record and experience and results to back it up. So it's very, very much a meritocratic profession in essence that you get out of it what you put in. Skills that you need for the job mainly, um, number one, a hard requirement. And this is like, if you don't meet this requirement, I'm not going to say it's going to be impos impossible for you, but you are going to have a much harder time than someone who does. It's having like English fluency. You need to be able to, especially like writing fluency, you need to be able to write in a way that the audiences that you're selling to, which are going to be from the US, from the UK, from Europe, um, it has to sound like, okay, this was written by someone from there rather than this was written by someone who's speaking English as a second language thing. Uh, beyond that, all you really need is I recommend everyone to have a laptop if possible, although I have a very famous case study, a friend of mine who has managed to get into copywriting with only their mobile phone. Um, so <laughs> it's doable, but I strongly recommend you have access to a PC, whether it's a laptop or a computer, whether it's something that you're going to do at work or at home or wherever, but you got to have access to that. And of course, internet access. Um, and beyond those two things, fluency and internet access for the device, uh, the rest you can figure out on the go. Um, yeah, uh, to answer your question, Petra. Is, thank you, Victor. Is, is this your main job? Can someone do it as a side hustle? Can someone go to, to work eight to four and then um, come back and do it like a consultancy gig? Um, and then what are the extra courses someone can take to sharpen their skills? Are there any links that you can share for aspiring copywriters? Ah, okay. Um, the thing about the beauty about copywriting and working online as a whole is that there is a ton of flexibility involved. Um, you can, there are positions available for, oh, sorry, personally, this is my quote unquote full-time job. It's not a side hustle. Um, copywriting is how I make almost all my income. 
I do have plans to kind of like launch a business next year, but that's kind of like outside the scope of this. Um, and if anyone is in a position to want to get into this, you can get into it flexibly. When I was starting to get into this line of work, I had my eight to five thirty, and then I would come back home and from like about seven to about midnight, sometimes one or two a.m. I would be online, either doing prospecting or studying copywriting and doing it essentially after working on weekends. So you can also start that way. And then once you eventually get work enough to kind of like replace your main job or you feel confident enough, you can quit your main job, which is what I did to do copywriting, uh, quote unquote, full time, because I don't work full 40 hours, but I because uh, I want to keep it that way on purpose. But yeah, 20, 30 hours a week, it's my main job this way. Um, if someone wants to get into this, yeah, you can do it on your own time. And in fact, I recommend that you have a job while you're doing this because breaking into the field can take quite a while. I was, uh, a timeline I give people is if you're not willing to put two years into this, keep doing what you're doing. Like don't even bother because you are trying to kind of like climb Mount Everest a bit <laughs> getting into this field. So you want to give yourself time to dedicate and figure it out. So whether it's part-time, whether it's full-time, I always recommend have two years of your life ready to dedicate to get into this um, however you can, and you go ahead with that. Now, for something I forgot to ask, answer before previously, are there local copywriter jobs? Yes. Uh, Uki, Peter, like Barbani, and you see these uh, billboards where someone's like the light or the bite, or like, I don't know, I don't drink beer, this Serengeti, whatever thing. You see these uh, Coca-Cola ads, Onjam Msisimko, and all that kind of stuff. Someone's writing those. If you turn on the TV, I don't know if you guys watch TV much, but if you turn on the TV, you know, on ITV and so on, um, someone's writing those. If you see these ad campaigns happening by Tigo, Airtel, and so on, someone's writing those. And the person who's writing those is a copywriter. And many of them here, like some companies kind of like take it from outside the country, but um, some of them do hire local, some advertising agencies hire locals here to do that. So there are local copywriter jobs, although I would not recommend anyone to try taking them. I mean, if you're in the industry and get one quickly for the sake of experience, in that case, maybe, but I don't recommend getting them because you kind of still trap yourself into earning, um, like I said before, like Tanzanian companies pay Tanzanian salaries. So you're not going to be making $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 a month as a copywriter here. I've tracked down a few copywriters in the business. I've met with them. I've spoken with them. And uh Let's just say I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and working with foreign clients. In terms of like courses that can sharpen your skills and get you, I do have, uh, I am part of an online community. I did not make this, I did not create it. I'm part of an online community made by someone living in the UK. It's free to join. It kind of has also a free course breaking down how to learn the skill of copywriting. There's about, I don't know, 15,000 members in there. You can ask a bunch of working copywriters, a bunch of questions and learning more about the field. And I found out about this place like a, a year after I started getting into copywriting. And it really, really like made things so much easier for me. I've also like added to some of the resources in that server. So there's also going to be someone with a Tanzanian slash African perspective in there giving some 
input on how to break into the field. So I always recommend people to. Mm -hmm. So just in terms of finding and working with clients, uh, how how will one person find people hiring for these skills? How do we find the clients that will start to work with? You mentioned on your timeline, maybe you can even say how many months it took you to find um, a client, where the resources are. Will the link that you'll give us give us uh, links to resources to get clients as well? Or is that like more of a personal journey? Ah, okay. Okay. Um, in terms of finding clients, uh, I mentioned there's a, there's a reason I mentioned you want to give yourself like two years to dedicate to breaking into this craft. It's because there are different ways of finding clients, but it's also, there's an element of luck and kind of randomness to it where you can have, I've seen like quite a few examples of people who have oh i started copywriting three weeks ago i sent an email to this youtuber i followed he hired me and he's willing to pay me two thousand five hundred dollars a month to work for him and they just managed to get a good gig in like three weeks of like three weeks ago they didn't know what copywriting is this three weeks later they're now got like a good paying job right um, there's other people who I've seen grind out for months trying every single like method out there under the sun, and it took them a long time until they found um, that eventual gig. That's why I always have that two-year time span. It's not going to actually take two years, but once you go into it believing that you're going to put in two years, you'll find success with that kind of like long-term thinking. But yeah, how do people like find clients? There's a bunch of ways. Uh, popular ways include like. Uh, going to online job boards because these places many many companies are looking for people to hire online so there are job boards where these things are posted including also sometimes on linkedin as well although there are other like dedicated places mostly for remote work uh, you can also work with international recruiters uh it is a thing where um People are interested, like, well, everyone knows how recruiters work. Let me not <laughs> break that down. Um, there's freelancer platforms, which are Upwork is the most popular and famous one. I have spoken to a couple of people here in Tanzania who've tried Upwork. I've also personally tried Upwork, but Upwork is a bad way to go because you kind of like, uh, there's this unfortunate bias where people automatically see uh, not many people know where Tanzania is or what Tanzania even is. Okay. So when someone like Upwork has these shows where the person applying to your job is from. So picture the mentality of someone who wants to have like an English website written for them and they have a list of candidates and they see, um, I don't know, Lisa from UK and they see from uh, and they see uh, Elizabeth from us and they see victor from tanzania you know like where the hell is tanzania they will they kind of like automatically discard you on that basis so i don't like uh freelancer platforms and i'm yet to find someone from tanzania who's doing well off a of freelancer platform like upwork um there's also but that's for copywriting for other skills it might matter less um i can't speak to that for another message that I'm particularly fond of and I use a lot with decent success is like cold email, okay? Because um, a lot of people, I guess that uh, even myself, got uh, to Mezoeshwa, 
mazingira kwamba you have to i don't know send in your cv and then sit and wait for a response or uh send just an application and wait but the beauty is the world that we live in is that you can send an email to just about anyone if you can find their contact info like you know just as an extreme example if you right now wanted to send an email to the ceo of apple tim cook or if you wanted to send an email to Mark Cuban, who's a famous business billionaire, they have a reputation of answering emails. And if they don't answer emails themselves, they have assistants who they dedicate to answering stuff that kind of comes in their inbox. So if you have a business, you can send an email to Mark Cuban and ask for advice. It's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> um, so this ability to reach out to people means that you don't have to just rely on waiting for a job post and then sending a CV. You can even cold email the people hiring if you find a job post, or you can also just email and ask anyone who you're kind of like interested in if they have work um, that they can hire you. I've sent out emails to YouTubers who I watch. I spend a lot of time watching YouTube. So like a bunch of channels I follow, I spend out, I, I send out emails um, asking them if they need a copyright on the team, uh, any businesses that I buy from, like, for example, there is this one, um, one fitness influencer i bought his programs about like two years ago or so he mentioned that he's he's hiring a team i sent an email and we're kind of like in conversations right that uh, over that and anyone who you find you think needs what you offer you know for copywriting that pretty much applies to just about any business you can think of so if you find somewhere um where i don't know you bought a product from shoppers plaza and you like you bought a shampoo from outside the country and you really like the shampoo brand and look at the um packaging there's probably going to be a website go to the website there's probably going to be an email address or you can go on linkedin and find the ceo's like name and then you can put those into email finder tools that'll guess like that'll try different combinations of their name and you have an email for the ceo of the shampoo company that you like and you send him an email hey can i work for you <laughs> it, it's really really a very very powerful way to kind of like reach out to people and find work where work is not being advertised um and of course the old classic way final way i want to share is like networking and which is why like uh the community that i share is like i strongly recommend everyone go in there and hang out uh because could you are naipo okay it, it just because it's wazungo whatever you think um, I personally, one of my clients, uh, which is a software company in Texas, who like is half my income, essentially, uh, I got that because someone I know from that server said, hey, uh, my company, the company I work for is hiring five people. I want to refer people from this group. So if you're interested, email me, like uh, send me a direct message. I sent him a message. And because he knows me and he knows I've been a fan of that company for a long time, he was like, oh, Victor, you want to apply to this thing? That's awesome, man. Like, let me send me your CV. Like, no, send me your like cover letter. I'm going to review that with you. Make sure you write a kick-ass cover letter and then we'll send that to you. And I'll send that to the HR department and I'll make sure that someone reads your um, cover letter and your documents and so on. So having that connection and writing a very, very good uh, cover letter essentially got me that job. And it's made me, that connection has been worth like no less than $10,000, uh, probably a lot more. 
I'll do the math later. But anyway, uh, so networking is also a viable thing. Be known and talk to people in the industry because there's that aspect of it. There's also another person sent me a message like uh, yesterday. She's from Canada and she said, hey, I know you talk around uh, about this industry a lot and this client. I'm too busy to work with them. So do you have space in your schedule to work with them? And that could have been like a thousand dollar project that I could have taken. But since I'm already at my, well, I'm not say I'm too busy, but I'm at my limit. I don't want to work over 30 hours a week. Once I'm, I told her, uh, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Please refer that to someone else. So networking is a really, really powerful way of finding gigs that will not, will not be advertised online. And oftentimes they tend to be the best paying ones. Um, but yeah, that kind of like relies on luck over time. So I don't know if you're going to get your opportunity in two weeks of applying. I don't know if you're going to get your opportunity after six months of just hanging out and talking to people and then someone coming to you with an opportunity and dropping it in your lap. But those are just kind of like the different ways that people use to find and get work. So <laughs> the next question is just in terms of the contract. So now we know where we can get clients, um, how the community of copywriters work what copyright is, in terms of how the contracts work, um, what are they like, uh, just if you can open open up about that, yeah. Ah, so. okay. So kind of like more of the business administration end of things. So um, I'll, I'll explain what's possible and I'll explain how I do it. Broadly speaking, there's mainly two categories you can fall into. You can be a, an individual, okay, meaning like Victor as Victor is applying for this job and so on, which kind of like is how a lot of people work and they do so with no problems. But you can also apply as a company, okay, um, in essence that it's either Victor as an independent freelancer who's like incorporated a business or it could be like you can even have employees and people under you and follow like the agency model and push that to the to 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 the limits and having ways that you work with people. I personally go with the like uh, company path, and I'm doing that for a very specific reason. Is that one of the hurdles that you people are going to run into when you get into this field? Um, I talk about this more inside the community because there's like a bunch of resources in there, and there's like a whole two and a half hour. <laughs> YouTube video summit with people from different developing countries and I'm one of them and talking about different issues but yeah like PayPal doesn't work here um, to my knowledge you can't receive money by PayPal so if you can't receive money by PayPal that kind of like makes it difficult for some businesses to work with you because they exclusively work with PayPal so to kind of like make payment easier um, I opened uh, registered a company in the U.S. That company is something that I use to receive payments on behalf, uh, on my behalf from clients. In essence, that kind of like makes it easy for them to pay me because it's like paying from US to US rather than paying across the country and doing wire transfers and so on. That can be like a pain in the ass. Yes, you can figure it out, but like I want to make things as easy as, as possible for people. And the way that I explain it is like, for example, um, you can only from customers in mitandao yote whatever. Um, you're going to do a lot of business. But if you say, like, for example, I only accept 
money from Halopesa to Halopesa, uh, that's going to make it hard for a business to kind of like grow and scale. So it's all about giving, I opened that US company to give like foreign clients the maximum freedom to pay however they want to pay, whether it's by credit card, whether it's by wire transfer, whether it's by PayPal, whether it's by whatever other methods, I got all that sorted. Um, so that's how I approach it. Although I do know one person in Arusha who is working as an individual and they receive money uh, payment from clients via wire transfer to their bank account, um, and they operate as an individual. So there's different ways of doing that. If you want to talk about contracts and how those work, um, yeah, if you're uh, signing those as an individual, you'll sign your individual on them. If you sign those as a company, you'll sign them on behalf of the company. Um, but when it comes to how they work, it really depends. Um, you can have your own contract set up, which is useful if you're doing like freelance individuals and small business owners because you don't have those things in place. So you will have your own contract template drawn up to kind of like just help define terms. And it's I always recommend having one because it simplifies communication. So you don't have to go back and forth like, oh, you I thought this meant this or I thought that meant that. No, uh, the contract will outline payment terms, who pays what when, uh, deadlines, any room for revisions and that kind of stuff. So when you're working with small businesses or one-on-one -on -one individuals, you will be using a contract. If you're working with bigger companies, um, they already have all this stuff in place. So you will not need to worry about that. And you will kind of have to fit into their systems and their payment schedules and so on, because big companies, um, to give an example, um, if you're working with Kamamtu Muzaduka, Apa Tanzania, just like one small shop, like contract yeah. Like if you're working, like for example, a huge company like I don't know, CRDB, you can't, you probably can't go in there and say, hey, sign my contract. We're gonna have to follow what they're doing. And it's a similar thing when you're working with like online. Um, now, another thing when people kind of like ask about when it comes to contracts is like, how do you enforce it? How do you do this? To be perfectly honest with you, when it comes to online freelancing, contracts are a formality, okay? Because they're not going to sue you or take action against you if you break contract. You're not going to be able to sue them or take action against them if you take contract. Like even at uh, even here in Tanzania, like if someone breaks a contract, <laughs> not many people are going to sue. Nani hapa Tanzania, where both of you are like in the same, same place and same, same country and same, same laws and so on. Once you deal with internationally, like it's all a formality, but it's mostly a trust-based system. Okay, and the good news is like 98% of people are trustworthy online. Um, and you will go into hopefully also being trustworthy with those people and you don't want to take advantage of others. Um, and if there's some things that kind of like seem off or seem like a red flag, you can, the community is going to be there available to ask and like, hey, these guys asked me to do x y and z does that is that shady is that normal is that this and people will let you know so that'll kind of like help you figure out which kind of like contracts or agreements or processes are not kosher and which ones are okay okay something something okay before we do this i just want to open up a rough timeline again for like my own <clears throat> how i got here you know uh on i mentioned like i got after the what 14th april 2020 first covid case in tanzania about three, four weeks after that, 
company called all staff. I got my salary cut 25%. That got me mad. Um, that was like in May. In 16th July, I decided to, 16th July, 2020, I count this as like my anniversary of whenever, like my first day one journey of copywriting. Um, I started on 16th July in 2020. It took me about four months to get my first client. That first client was about a $400 one-off project. They paid me by using this thing that's called PayPal Zoom. It's a kind of like a form of PayPal that accepts also like that allows mobile money payments. Zoom spelled with an X. It's still around, I think. About seven months in, I formed that US LLC to make things easier to receive payment. Um, 11 months in, I got a retainer client. This was my first like on repeat client who was paying me each month about 1,400 USD um, for 20 hours a week, which kind of, uh, this was double my previous job income for half the weekly hours. <laughs> and that kind of like ruined, that ruined work for me because I decided I'm never going to work more than 40, 30 hours in a week. Um, after that, I about a year and a half into it, I got an offer for a full-time job. This full-time job um, was from the UK, so I'd be working typical hours. They wanted to pay me $3,000 a month. I did that job for a month and a half, and then I quit <laughs> because, like I told you guys, I don't want to be working full-time. I quit because it took up too much of my time and like passed a certain amount of money. My free time matters. I make however much I want to make within... 20, 30 hours a week. So I'm sticking that way. Fast forward to like three years, which is where I'm at. Um, three years and three years, one month and two weeks after I started, if you want to like pin down the specifics, I've got three clients I'm working with on a regular basis. One is a software company based in Texas. And in terms of payment, they pay $50 an hour. <laughs> I still don't believe they do that. But yeah, $50 an hour, as well as $180 per deliverable, which they have projects that give me quite a few over the course of a month. I am working with a marketing company based in Austria. They are paying me a monthly retainer for 18 hours a week. And I am working with a supplement company in Hong Kong, and they pay me to write Facebook ads, and they pay me like $75 per Facebook ad. So that's after three years one month and two weeks into the journey. It didn't happen overnight, people. Um, so when you kind of like try and get into this, don't expect it to also happen overnight. It takes time. But if you're already comfortable where you are, stay where you are. This is only for those people who are like, I need more flexibility. I need more money. I don't want to compromise on both and I need to do it at any cost. That's the path I recommend. But yeah. Um, so okay, I wanted to ask, Kwa watu ambao wana wako kwenye field ya ya health is copywriting I mean can it be done can we work remotely people watu ambao wako kwenye field ya health uh Doris uh question ukisema field ya health unamaanisha kwamba you are like medically trained kama nurse or a doctor and you want to get into copywriting yeah. au unamaanisha kwamba Aha. Yes, yes. Kama mimi, um, um, me, I'm a physiotherapist. Ah, okay. Yes, that is a path that you can take. And 
to let me answer like broadly for the sake of anyone else listening um background in what you do in terms of transitioning to copywriting doesn't really matter all that much now the people that i know in the copywriting industry have been people with backgrounds such as like accountants have been architects have been construction workers have been like me i'm i'm before like this whole thing i was working as a photographer so <laughs> so anyone can break into copywriting as long as you have those hard requirements that i mentioned in the beginning which is like number one a uh, strong level of english fluency because you're going to be working with clients inside the country um, number two is having access to an internet capable device and uh, in a sense like a laptop and internet access but if you only have a mobile phone you can kind of like also try to break into a mobile phone now that's broadly kwako doris background hustle. Um, in the fields of copywriting, there are certain kind of like niches or industries or spaces that pay better than others. Okay. And copywriting is one of those that kind of like pays a lot. It's one of those that pays better than the others because it's a very, very Think about it like you need someone who is like medically trained to speak with many to write on medical content with authority i will give you an example of a website that i love using a lot but and it's called healthline.com health comma afia line .com. and this is a website which has all the articles or at least most of them are written by people in the medical field Okay, so if you are someone who is in the medical field and you're a good communicator on paper, you can write medical content. And because it is something that's kind of like restricted to people with like medical training and so on, it tends to have a higher uh, pay than other forms of like copywriting uh, and content writing specifically out there. So you do have that advantage going in if you decide to specialize into the whole medical industry. Um, but otherwise, you can say, you know what, maybe I don't want to limit myself to the medical industry. Maybe you have a passion in other things that you're passionate about. You can look into uh, things such as, uh, let's, I don't know, maybe you're passionate about uh, grooming products. Maybe you're passionate about pets. Maybe you're passionate about, uh, I don't know, dating and romance. And if you're the friend in your friend group who always gives dating advice, there's people, there's copywriters who specialize in all these different industries. So you can decide to specialize in the medical, you can decide to specialize into any other things that you're interested in, or you can just decide to be a, gen a general copywriter, which I am. I'm a person who, if you've got money, I'll write for it. I don't care what it is. Okay. <laughs> so. Oh, there's yeah. there's something. Yeah. When it says, thank you, Victor, it feels like a piece of cake. However, I see it's a lot of work too and discipline needed to work online. By any chance, did you go to an English-speaking school or study abroad? Or working online comes with lots of English professional test exams because I really like the command of your English. And again, Asante Kwakushia, all these useful info. So English speaking school, Victor? <laughs> ah, okay, this question. Um, fun fact, my English is even better than my Swahili. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, growing up, my parents were in Somesha English medium schools. Now, I even like as a kid, I was, I, I, I just to say I did it, I read a dictionary from cover to cover. Uh, so I was kind of like super obsessed with learning English and being good at English. But also there's two things that I want to clarify for people. There's the language fluency, which um, comes from whether you grew up in English medium schools or whether you uh, put a lot of effort into learning English later in life or whether you can even like compensate with it. Like I know when you when you go into the server and go into that two hour like talk that I and a few people in developing countries did, English is also a topic. There's a few strategies that are shared for how to overcome um, and help your English level up. I know there's tools like Grammarly and spell check and so on that can kind of like help you write better even if you don't have like a full native command of the language, right? Um, but the oh i lost my train of thought but yeah like i english medium schools growing up much better than my swahili other ways they can use to compensate and figure that out ah yes and i was gonna say uh number one there's the fluency side of things and number two there's the communication side of things okay just because you know a language does not mean that you can express yourself fluidly in it okay uh simple example uh a lot of people well Kiswahili lugha taifa na siamini kwamba kuna mtu hapa ambaye ana changamoto ya kuongea Kiswahili zaidi ya mimi because my Swahili sucks it's trash you can hear it people think I'm Kenyan um it's being able to express yourself is something different because you can put a bunch of people on stage to speak in a language that they're comfortable in but they can't express their thoughts and so on so another thing that really helped me is that um in school i it's like years doing online debate about like really really dumb things you know like typical nerd stuff like if superman and batman went to a fight who would win i would write pages and pages arguing who would win and so on and doing this stuff in english so that gave me a ton of writing practice in the language which made me made it much easier for me to like transition into cooperating and to express myself when it comes to writing as well so there's the fluency side there's also the uh, communication side of things both of them can be improved over time and if you didn't have the advantage of uh, growing up around like in English medium schools and native English speakers try your best to drown yourself in English content uh, that means English movies English YouTube English um, all that stuff English TV series, also in your own personal life, make sure to speak English with as many people as possible and tell the people that you're talking to, hey, um, I'm trying to improve my English. If my English sucks or if I make some mistakes or I say something that's not proper or whatever, I give you full permission to tell me. So that I improve my English, please. Give that permission explicitly to the people around you, especially if there are people who are native English speakers or people from outside the country, and you can improve your English that way. Practice writing a ton. There's a bunch of um, websites online. I don't know them off the top of my head, but you can look up like language exchange websites, which kind of uh, encourage people to write English and write whatever language that you want and then have people check it, you know? get as much time and practice into using language, speaking the language, listening to the language, writing the language, and you will improve that over time, as well in both sides of like improving your fluency, as well as improving your ability to communicate. 
Um, hopefully that answers your question. And if it does, let me know. If not, uh, let me know so I can explain a little bit more and and and, and help you guys out. Because I'm here to help. I'm here to explain. I'm here to talk you guys through this. I was wondering on the longevity of this career. Is it something that in the technological world that we're going into um, is seeming like a lot more people will do it? How employable is it? Will there be a rush of people who come into it and therefore less jobs? Um, how how um, how viable is it for someone to get into it and then say that's going to be their lifelong career? Oh, okay, so there are two main concerns that people have when it comes to longevity of copywriting specifically. Uh, before I dive into those two concerns, working online as a whole is not going to disappear. Okay, there's always going to be, especially after COVID, really, really changing dynamics and um, exposing people to working remotely and the pleasures. Like in the US, for example, uh, people who are doing commercial real estate are dying because people don't want to go back to the office anymore. Like they've tasted working from home. So working from home is going to be here to stay for the foreseeable future. Um, and working online as well is going to be here to stay, whether it's a, you decide to work online as an accountant or you decide to work online as whatever and so on. So that component of it, here to stay. The two main things that people are worried about. Number one is AI, especially chat GPT. And I will dive into that. And number two is about that thing of like too many people jumping into it. Okay. Let's start with number one. Okay. Chat GPT and this AI and so on. I have used those tools, paid premium versions of those tools. I am in that community of copywriters. I have spoken to a bunch of very, very smart and intelligent people who are working in the AI industry, who are people who have copywriters. And when I say copywriters, there are people in that server who have they're, the stuff that they've written has achieved like tens of millions of dollars in sales. We're talking people who have sold, uh, let me, let me, what, what, the, what, that number is so big. Let's say I know someone specifically who sold like $35 million in products. So in, 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 in Tanzanian shillings, just so you guys have a, please 7 billion <laughs> shillings of products sold by copywriting. So, and like people of that level, and I've asked them, so what do you guys think about this whole AI thing? And they had opinions similar to mine in that AI as it stands is how it works is it looks at a bunch of all the content online on the internet as a data set. And then it essentially guesses what the most likely word in a sentence is. AI doesn't understand what it's looking at. AI understands that out of all these 10 million web pages that I've been given, okay, anyone, like around 40% of them that's, that, that talk about dogs say, I am a German shepherd, for example, right? So if you ask it to write content about something, okay, it's like, okay, this person said they want content about dogs looking at all these pages 40 percent of them that start with i am i am a say german shepherd so it's essentially guessing and extrapolating what the next word in a sentence is it's not smart it's not intelligent it's not creative it cannot 
think and make it can it is not capable of lateral thinking it is not capable of making connections between different subjects it's not capable of being inspired it's not capable of um understanding uh people because copywriting is not just putting words on paper you got to understand and get into the mind of the person who's reading the copy it's not able of doing that but you as a human have empathy have creativity have lateral thinking have inspiration have so many things going for you that ai for the foreseeable future does not have therefore if you're worried about oh what if i become a copywriter and then will next year chat gpt take jobs from me it won't the people who are going to use chat gpt are going to get very very lackluster results that cannot match up to a well-trained human writer and if they're the type to use chat gpt they're not going to hire you anyway for even further proof of this i work uh, i mentioned i work with a software company based in texas they had a time where they're experimenting in terms of how to use chat gpt into the team's workflow it was a big thing for a week i just like they kind of like said, hey, everyone, you can go and get like a paid chat GPT account. We'll even reimburse you for the money. We want to make sure that everyone tries out and makes this technology work. A month later, nobody's using it. Okay, because it's 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 more work to get the thing to say what you want it to say, especially if you know what good writing is, than it is to just write it yourself. And that's what all of us are doing. We write it ourselves now. We don't use AI. So AI is not going to be a threat to this thing because good writing will always have a place in the market and AI is not capable of understanding what good writing actually is. Number two, will this place get crowded? That is a very, very fair question because uh, as I mentioned before, it's not like, it's not, not anyone can wake up tomorrow and be a doctor. Not anybody can wake up tomorrow and be a lawyer. Not anybody can wake up tomorrow and be an engineer. Okay, these are things that are kind of like they have gatekeepers in essence that you have to have a formal education, you have to be submitted to a board and approved by a board and so on. There's gatekeepers into that industry. Copywriting does not have gatekeepers, okay, which means that a lot of people come into the field. However, that should not bother you. Here's why. Number one, human beings are lazy. I've emphasized over the session here that everyone should put two years, should have like two years in mind to break into this. Otherwise, if you're not willing to put those two years, just save yourself the time and go do something else. That's because a lot, a lot of people like give up early. Let me give an example. Um, you can tell, I know from this call, let's imagine 100 people listen to this call, okay? Um, 100 people listen to this call. Out of that 100 people, the number of people who are going to take action on this and actually follow through just by law of averages, I know maybe like uh, rich aunties may be very, very particularly motivated group of people. So maybe out of 100, all 100 will go through with this. I don't know. But just saying in general is like out of 100 people, only five or 10 will take action on any information that they learn. Okay. Uh, case in point, I'm very sure like all of you have friends who've learned about, who've heard, oh, save your money, oh, do this, oh, do that. But how many, how many of them actually do? <laughs> very few. So uh, five or 10 people are going to take that information. Same thing for copywriting. Out of 100 people who hear about copywriting, five or 10 people are going to try to get into it. Out of those five or 10 people, only maybe one or two are going to wind up sticking for it for longer than six months. 
And then out of those 100 people, almost all of them are going to fall off in that first year, which means that you need to at, look at like a thousand people trying to get into copywriting and actually taking action. And out of those a thousand people, maybe 20 will then break through and have a full-time career from this. Okay. Essentially saying that, yes, it's a meritocracy. Anyone can get in. But in terms of eventually pushing through, sticking with it, developing the craft, building a portfolio, networking with others, having a track record, having a website, having like past work, a portfolio and all that kind of stuff, it's going to, it's going to weed out so much of the competition that you essentially have none. Um, the moment you manage to survive that like two year stretch, which I, I, again, I say two years just because like that's the mindset, but you can, many people tend to break through within the first like nine, 12 months. But once you survive that two year stretch, it's nothing but open seas. Okay. The only thing that you just need is an opportunity to fall in your lap, which happens to me one to three times a year. <laughs> and the good thing about being a copywriter in this country is you don't need big dollar amounts to do well for yourself. So once you break through that two-year period, it's completely it's a completely open ocean. You can just have as much work as you can handle and want. So don't be worried about this industry getting crowded. Don't be worried about AI get coming to take out of it. Don't be worried about um, working online somehow dying. Okay. So, oh, uh, one thing that <laughs> I want to, I, this is my fault for not clarifying earlier. When I say copywriting, uh, I'm, I should clarify that when I say writing, I don't mean write, comma, copyright, comma, write, comma, like kulia. I mean, write like kuandika. So I know people are saying write R-I-G-H-T, but this is copywriting, W-R-I-T-I-N-G. So ni kuandika. So uh want to make sure that it's separate from intellectual property uh, and law and that kind of stuff that has nothing to, <laughs> to do with that. Um, but yeah, that answers that question. Hopefully, Petra, you've had a very, very thorough answer. And two, how long does copyright protection last? Can I use someone else's work? I don't know in what context that you want to use someone else's work, but in the US, to my knowledge, copyright, um, this is kind of like especially being updated with AI art and so on, which kind of like is having people question ownership. But you when you make something, you kind of own it the moment you make it. Um, and that copyright generally lasts for 20 years, I believe, can be extended to like something like 75 or so on. But after that, like uh, it's it, it it becomes public domain. Um, so can you use someone else's work in copywriting? In legal terms, no. But there is the thing whereby you kind of like have that person have to come and catch you. So in which case that you can copy a bunch of other people's work and there will be no repercussions because no one's actually going to go through the effort of finding you. But it does have some social repercussions because if a client that you're working with eventually finds out or figures out that your work that you're using is copy-paste, and some clients right now are actually going against AI, they have like tools to check and find out 
if content was written by AI and some people want actual original human written work and they will not like that if they find out that it was written by AI or it was copied from somewhere else. Okay, so that has social repercussions, but not any legal ones or not any ethical ones if you have no conscience. Okay. Um, however, there is something in the copywriting industry, which is a common practice that you is called swiping. What that means is that because copywriting is based on psychology, you kind of like look at other people's work in their field and you don't copy and paste their work, but you kind of like analyze and see the psychology that they're using. Okay, when they're writing a headline, when they're writing an email, when they're writing like this, what's the structure? What's the method that they're using to write this? And then once you reverse engineer that, you can use that kind of like structure method in your own writing. That's perfectly fine. And that's actually common practice. But going copy paste and then changing the company name from whatever the company was before to the company name for your client, that will not fly. I do not recommend doing that. That will eventually blow up in your face. No, so just sorry, oh. sorry, Victor. Just mm -hmm. just to, to add on what you said. So I'm actually an intellectual property lawyer. So copyright oh, is a form of intellectual right. property. So it's actually not 20 years in Tanzania. Um, according to the copyright, just to answer Winnie's question, according to the Copyright and Neighbor De Neighboring Rights Act of Tanzania, for us, it's the lifetime of the author, so the creator of the acts, which Victor is right, it's not registrable. Uh, the moment someone creates something copyright is existing. So the lifetime of the person who made it plus 50 years. And although we are behind in intellectual property, people are now starting to sue. So I would be very careful um, to use someone's um, work without, uh, obviously, like Victor said, there is fair use. Um, there is exceptions to the rule, but just be very careful because you can end up in quite a hefty um, battle, legal battle. Um, yeah, Victor, you can continue. Sorry, just to clarify. <laughs> no, like that's perfect. I completely like forgot you mentioned you. This is your your work, so yeah, I should have like stepped back and let you answer that. But um, so next question, oh, next question is like, what are the challenges of digital copywriting? The challenges that you will face uh, boil down into two parts. There's a lot of the challenges are regional in a sense that they are because of where we come Tanzania. Okay, I'll give an example of what I mean. For example, when I was starting out in copywriting, Umeme uh, Kukatika was the bane of my existence. Like, tena in when I was in Moshi in in especially around 2020, it was so it was horrible. It was horrible. There were entire days, 10, 12, 15 hours with no electricity, which made it a, a huge pain to figure out. There's also um, internet issues. Uh, not to go too much into this because it kind of like goes into like politics and so on, but there were times where people needed VPNs to access the internet. There is... Um, yeah, electricity, internet are going to be the main ones. There's also sometimes time zone issues pop up in the beginning because I was trying to make a like find a foothold and make a name for myself. I would show up to Zoom calls late. Uh, I I remember there was one time I woke up at 3 a.m. 
And I woke up at 3 a.m. because I had to make sure I was awake and well and ready by 3.30 p. No, it was 3.45 a.m., which is the time that the call would happen based on time zone differences. So time zone differences does pop up as a challenge. Another challenge that kind of like is a regional thing is for like, I'm going to like some people are going to take issue with the fact that you're from Tanzania or from a country, from an African country. Okay. And they're going to take issue in the sense that they won't hire you because of that. Or they're going to take issue in the sense that they're going to lowball you. Like, for example, you might have a job that's saying, hey, we're paying $3,000 a month. But once they talk to you and they realize where you're from, they're like, mm, no, this job suddenly becomes $800 a month, which in the beginning, you can take that because $800 a month is still good money uh, for, I know for a bunch of people, that's still good money. But eventually you want to get to the point that you want to command like full rates like you would from anyone uh, in any other part of the world. But in the beginning, you will face challenges like that as well. Um, you will also face uh, challenges in terms of like having the necessary English fluency. Not everyone had the fortune of growing up in English medium schools and interacting with native English speakers and so on. So you will need to compensate and put in extra effort for that. Um, those are the challenges that come with part of the world that are regional. And in terms of like work challenges themselves that kind of like have nothing to do with where you're from and are in general, um, part of this is a people business. You will be working with other people. Uh, some people are, as we all know, not great. Some people are awesome. And as a general rule, generally the people who, the better they pay, the better they are to work with. It's so weird. Like this company that pays me $50 a month, they are so pleasant to work with. I love those people, which kind of like, it it, it felt ridiculous to me that they're paying me this much to work with them <laughs> because they're such awesome people. Whereas if I compare like the, the there was a client that paid me $15 an hour, which I was working with them about two years ago, they were so annoying. They were so, they they treated me as if like, um, you should be happy and glad that I even pay you $15 an hour kind of thing. You know, whereas these people who pay $50 an hour, 50, like five zero dollars per hour right now, so much fun to work with, so happy. So you will have those same, same issues of dealing with people whereby some people are going to be not pleasant. Other people are going to be awesome and you're going to, need to find out who those people are. You're going to run into some uh, challenges where like uh, some people will opt not pay you. Okay. But that's not unique to online work. That's even here. You can work with someone and they can refuse to pay you. So those also apply to like the digital copywriting thing. Um, aside from the structural challenges I mentioned earlier. So I want to wrap before like kind of like get to close. I want to say um, something to everyone. Um, I, if you told me that I'd be where I am at right now, three years ago, I would not have believed you because I wake up, I, I am less stressed. I have more freedom in my schedule. I have more money to do the things that I want to do. I have more money to help the people that I care about. I have, um, such so much more ability to enjoy life and as well so much joy in my day-to-day -day 
uh, because like I mentioned, no alarm, no commute, no meetings. So, <laughs> so this and like 20, 30 hours a week, this is such like a sweet cushion like thing. If you told me that I would have been here three years ago, I would not have believed you. And I do have one major regret in that I did not start this sooner because I did learn about copywriting initially in 2014. So I waited until 2020 to start. So that's like, I, I keep thinking about those seven years and the earnings that I missed out in the meantime uh, for postponing and delaying and only waiting until I got angry to, to get into this thing. And I, I that's kind of like one thing I do regret, but I do not regret putting in the time, the effort, the work, the sleepless nights, the stresses, the wondering how do I solve this problem, wondering how do I do that into coming into copywriting. And everyone listening to this call right now, okay, you are in a position that I would have killed to have starting out. Because when I started, I had nobody to tell me these things. I had nobody to walk me through these things. And if I did, I'm sure that I would have gotten to not just where I am, I would have gotten further than that in much less time because I limit my work time to 20, 30 hours because I burnt out along the road. So I put in more effort. But if I had someone to light this path in front of me, and say, this is kind of like how you break into it. This is what you do. Join this community. It has all these resources in there. Follow it from start to finish. Um, it would have just made things so much better for me. So I have a challenge to anyone who's listening right now. Okay. Believe in yourself. Take a gamble on yourself that you can actually stand up on the world stage online. And there's no such thing as, oh, me in Tanzania, they, they, why would they pay me this much? Why would they hire me for this thing? Oh, Missy, you and Nini, hop, hop, hop. No, like wipe that out of your mind and realize that there is so much opportunity and money and flexibility and freedom out there in the world that you have a, like you have someone pointing a path for you to get there. So if you listen to this, make sure you follow through with that community link that I'll share. Make sure you follow through all the information in there. That's going to, and make sure you also hang out and talk to people and so on. If you have anything that you want to reach out to me, uh, I don't know how you're going to get to me, <laughs> but if you manage to do so, I'm happy to help and answer questions as well and take this opportunity because it is so freaking rare and so much potential in it that if you don't, you are doing yourself a great disservice. Unless you're already comfortable with where you're at in life, ignore me. But otherwise, if you feel like you, you deserve more and you want to do better and you want to take advantage of this, please do so right now. Start now as quickly as soon as you can and give it time. You will grow into it. You will succeed. You'll break. But just bet on yourself for the next two years. And with that motivational message, that is everything from me, Petra. Thank you so much. Asante sana, Victor. <laughs> a round of applause for you. Um, thank you so much. That was so um, not only captivating, but it was real. I think giving the real life journey of how you did it, you didn't just wake up one morning and then start making as much money as you're making now. But you've really dived into how we're able to do it, um, what community we can use, 
um, if we want to pursue copywriting, the flexibility of it, I think that's one of the major perks. But also thank you for being personable. Thank you for being honest. Um, yeah, nikuku shukuru. Swasanteni, I have been your host, Petra. I am 23, intellectual property lawyer who works in the development field and I love talking. So thank you to the rich auntie community for letting me interview Victor. <laughs>